Father, we come before you this morning um, amazed at who you are. You are a patient, loving, gracious God. And may it be that this would be the cry of our heart this week, the commitment of our heart this week, that we would wait on you, that we would look to you, that we would find you. Father, in these coming moments, I I ask that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you for the gift of your word. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, Covenant family, it is good to be with you. I love uh, that you have made the choice this morning to participate in this worship service. I believe that a worship service is such an important part of the regular life of a Christ follower. When we participate in worship service together, we are practicing our submission to the teaching of God's word. We are proclaiming the praise of God, which we just uh, were doing. And we're doing that together with our brothers and sisters in Christ in a way that is encouraging to us and inspiring to us and, and holds us accountable to our commitment to the Lord. When we regularly participate in this, when we regularly put this into practice by being a part of a worship service, it helps us, it helps me align our lives with the call of Jesus. So again, I love that you're present with us this morning. I pray that not only are you present, but you're also engaged. Now, I, I believe firmly that it's not just our, our spiritual nourishment doesn't just come from a worship service in a regular way, but, but it comes in the way that we reflect on and put into practice God's word on a daily basis. That's why we've created the Amplify It Guide, and you can find that at our website, uh, covenantepc.org slash amplifyguide. And, and what that guide is, is it's a list of conversations and practices that help you reflect on and put into practice the teaching from God's Word. I hope that you will take advantage of that, and I, I hope actually that you will use that every day to help continue to nudge you into reflection on and putting into practice the teaching of God's word. We want to be a body of believers who are known by more than anything else, who are known by our love, which is an illustration of of his love. So known by more than anything else, that is, we are to be known by our love more than we are known by our political affiliation or by our particular response to the coronavirus. Now, that's not to say that our political affiliation is unimportant or our particular response to the coronavirus is unimportant, but I want us to be known more than anything else by our love. And we do that as we soak ourselves in God's word on a weekly, on a daily basis. So this morning we come to the place in God's word to Psalm 13 is where we'll be focusing on. 
And this is where I want you to pull out your Bible or, or look up on your device Psalm 13. And children, this is a time where you could be very helpful. I don't want you to check out, but I actually want you to go get your Bible right now. If your parents are not getting their Bible, I want you to nudge them so that they're also getting their Bible. And I want you to all come together around Psalm 13. Parents, we've also, Renee, our children's ministry director, has also created these children's sermon guides that you can print out from our website. And I encourage you to use these if these are helpful to keep your children engaged during our worship service. So Psalm 13, follow along with me. How long, Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Lord, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Father, I thank you for the gift of your word that we get to benefit from and be encouraged by and challenged by this morning. There's three things that I want to point out to you in Psalm 13 as we walk through these six verses. And that is, first of all, the direction of our cry. Secondly, the impact of our cry. And then lastly, the praise in our cry. First, as we look at verses 1 and 2, we see this question repeating over and over again. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my, my thoughts? This, this question repeated, how long? I want to introduce you to a few of our few people within our church family who have gone through experiences where they have been crying out, How long, O oh Lord? First, I want to introduce you to Frankie Kong. Uh, Frankie is, um, is a uh, professor at Purdue right now, and, and he shared with me that shortly after beginning a grad school, program in Canada that he hit financial difficulties, difficulties in paying for the, the huge international uh, tuition cost. And for two months, all he ate was, was plain rice and oatmeal. And then he struggled for the next two years to gain, um, to, to gain funding for this grad program. Eventually, God provided through the support of friends and the provision of a significant scholarship. Frankie tells of how God uh, was with him in the midst of this wait and gave him internal peace in the midst of this wait. Frankie experienced this cry of, How long, O Lord? The second per, uh, couple that I want to introduce you to is Dave and Amanda Zabella. They struggled with infertility issues for seven years until God brought them through adoption, their son, Grayson. 
They speak of how deep their struggle was, but how present God was with them and giving them courage throughout this struggle. And eventually God brought them Grayson. Dave and Amanda experienced this cry of how long, O Lord, Trudy Horner is the last one that I want to introduce you to. Trudy was diagnosed with multiple myeloma in 2014. The early treatment that she had failed to remove the cancer, so she had a bone marrow transplant, which helped move the cancer into remission. But then in 2017, the multiple myeloma returned, and Trudy has been on a daily oral chemo treatment ever since. Trudy speaks of the pure peace and strength that the Lord has provided for her, even in the midst of her continued battle, her continued waiting. Trudy continues this experience of this cry of how long, O Lord. Whether it's financial trouble or wanting children or fighting cancer or relational tension or a colicky baby or, or back pain or work troubles or whatever it might be. I can think of so many times when, when I had troubles so much more trivial, but the cry was real. How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord, will I have to struggle with and, and you can fill in the blank. And I actually want you to take a moment to fill in that blank. I, I want you to write down on a piece of paper or, or write down on the notes app in your device. Um, write down one or three, one, two or three things, ways in which you are right now this week crying out to the Lord, how long, O Lord? The, the first thing that I want to focus on in this passage is the direction of our cry. So here's what I think the, the clear example in Scripture teaches, that we are to express our pain and our longing to the Lord. He is the direction of our cry. I, I love, recently I had a conversation with a teenager and she was telling me about what she does to help her grow in her relationship with the Lord. And one of the things that significantly helps her is her time uh, journaling her prayers to the Lord. This is a fantastic way to, to focus those, that pain and longing to direct it toward the Lord. This is what the psalm exemplifies. And, and this is actually what the book of Job teaches that, that it's less about the nature or content of our pain or longing and more about to whom we're bringing that pain and longing. When you look at the book of Job and the story there, you read this, this horrific story of Job who had seven sons and three daughters, 7,000 uh, sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 donkeys and 500 yoke of oxen, and he lost them all in one day. So then the rest of the book of Job is, is Job pouring out his, his frustration and his questions and, and even at, at times his accusations to the Lord. 
And then his friends, the, the crummy comforters, they, they rebuke Job for his audacity to say such things to the Lord. But God affirms Job and his interactions with God. His friends were focused on the particular content of Job's words, and, and God was focused on the direction of Job's words. Amidst all of his, his complaints and his, his articulation of his pain, Job never denied the Lord. He continued to lean into this God and present and proclaim his pain and longing to the Lord. Express your pain and longing to the Lord. I want you to look back at those one, two, or three things that you wrote down, ways that you right now are, are crying out to the Lord. Are you expressing those things to the Lord? And are you listening for his response? Here's what I, I believe the evil one would prefer that we do. I think the evil one would prefer that we replay these, these, this pain and this longing, that we replay it in our head over and over again in such a way that we, we gain this feeling of, I have a right to feel badly about this. The evil one wants us to express these things to others in order to gain sympathy or even sometimes this strange admiration that comes from when others say, wow, you, you are really dealing with some tough stuff. I don't know how I would deal with what you're, you're doing this in such a good way. And in some way, by expressing it to others, we gain some kind of admiration from them. I'm not saying don't express your pain and longing to others. I'm saying don't express your pain and longing to others instead of expressing it to the Lord. Don't express your pain and longing to others in order to receive validation. Your pain and longing is valid. It is real. The question is, what should we do with it? We're to express our pain and longing to the Lord. It's, it's helpful to express our pain and longing to others in addition if, as we express our pain and longing to them, they are uh, displaying and or pointing to Jesus' compassion as they interact with us. It's helpful uh, to express our pain and longing to others if, Perhaps we're doing it for the purpose of, of um, communicating something of the, the grace and, and uh, if we're doing it with the intention of bringing them closer to the Lord. The direction of my cry is the Lord. Express your pain and longing to the Lord. In these next few verses, what, I, what comes to mind is the impact of our cry. I want you to look at verse, the second half of verse 2 and, and then through verse 4, where David proclaims, How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. So the impact of our cry 
There's more at stake than my personal pain and longing. David basically expresses this. He says, God, give me hope or my enemy will prevail. So in this context, to put it simply, David's enemies are God's enemies. And it takes a few layers to get beneath this, but the heart of what's going on as David expresses this is David is considering the way that those outside of a relationship with God, he's considering the way that they are observing his pain and longing. He's reasoning that, God, not only is this hurting me, not only is my pain and longing hurting me, but as others observe it, it is, it is hurting your cause. I believe David cares about the cause of God, to glorify and enjoy God and to make him known. There is more at stake than my personal pain and longing. You know, for example, I think about this, this sad and uh, reality that, that I'm dealing with back pain right now, and it's annoying, and it makes me grumpy. And, and as I respond to my, my pain and my longing that my back pain would be taken away, as, as I respond to that with grumpiness, as I treat my uh, loved ones with, with impatience, then then they get a poor view of God's love through me. There is more at stake than my personal pain and longing here. Would it be that, that God would, would, would turn me out and use this process of my own pain and longing with the Lord, that he would, he would be ever turning me out and somehow showing himself in the midst of my pain and suffering? Many of you remember Michelle Cornell, who was a part of our church family for years. She struggled with ALS before that ended her life here on earth. And, and she dealt with incredible pain and longing. But in the midst of her pain and longing, she was reaching out to others and making God known in amazing ways. Those struggles that you wrote down, I wonder, how could they impact others? How could you navigate those struggles in such a way that you are making God known, that you are making his love attractive to those who are watching? I hope that these questions don't, don't come across as just more pressure in a situation that's already difficult for you, but that they would bring you purpose outside of yourself, even in the midst of your pain and longing? How can you navigate your pain and longing in a way that makes God known to others? So, so we think about our, the direction of our cry, the, the impact of our cry, and these last few verses point us to the praise in our cry. Verses 5 and 6 say this, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I want you to close your eyes for a moment and just think about these questions. Answer these questions. 
Do you know the unfailing love of God? Do you know the joy of salvation? Do you feel gratitude for the Lord's provision in your life? This psalm is not calling us to mechanically respond to a God that we may or may not know. It's not telling us to to stuff our pain and, and give artificial acknowledgement to a God who feels distant. This psalm is showing us an example of 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 a man, of King David, who amidst his pain and suffering sees and experiences the unfailing love of God, the joy of his salvation, and gratitude for the provision that God has provided. This psalmist is not lecturing us. He's not saying, Christians, get your act together and be strong in the midst of suffering and praise God in the midst of suffering. He's saying, Christians, I invite you again to hear, to see, to experience the unfailing love of God, the joy of of salvation and the provision of God our Father. This psalm is an invitation to to a God who is extending his unfailing love, his his offer of salvation and his provision beyond what we even any of us could deserve. This is the living God that is introduced to us in the scriptures. This is the living God who invites us to bring our pain and our longing to him. I invite you to place your faith in this living God. I invite you to place your pain, to bring your pain and your longing to this living God. God, I ask that that everyone listening right now, that, that they would see your extended hand ready to embrace them in the midst of their pain and their suffering. Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to, you have Psalm 13 before you. I want you to take a moment to read Psalm 13, those six verses. Read it silently and spend a moment of quiet with the Lord before our praise and worship team comes up and leads us in a song of response. Parents, if your children can't read, then then I want you to take this moment to read this out loud to them. And then be silent as we wait and respond to the Lord in song.